What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Good morning, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fin Side with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, as well as the fan-sided network and finfanatic.com. I'm Brian Kent, NFL Paul's fanatic underscore pick. It is Jets week here. The Dolphins travel to New York to face the Jets. Noon Central, 1 Eastern time. Dolphins are favored at this time by three and a half points. Temperatures expected to be in the mid-60s. Paul, and uh, I don't know if you've heard much this year about the uh, MetLife takeover. Always a big thing every year. I know you're uh, not going to be able to attend here this year. Um, any news that you have on that front about uh, really how the turnout's supposed to be? No, they. Uh, I think it's great news. The Dolphins NYC crew, which is a registered 501C, raises a ton of money using this event and other events for charity. Uh, they actually have set their single game MetLife ticket, uh, MetLife takeover ticket sales record, uh, well over 1,300 tickets already sold. Um, just crazy, crazy amount of Dolphin fans going in together this year. And awesome. you know, my my dad will be there. So if you see a guy with picking on the back, it's obviously not me. But uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great time. If I wasn't in the middle of my own playoff push with the 11 U kids. I'd be up there in a heartbeat, but unfortunately we have a game tomorrow. I see. I see. Well, good luck in your game. And uh, yeah, I, I, one of these years I'm going to make it up. I'm, I'm going to the bears game this year. So I am going to get to go to a game this year. And uh, like I've always said, the, uh, you know, everyone knows about the Jersey curse with me. Uh, if I buy a Jersey, <laughs> that player will fail. But if I go to a game, the dolphins win and it's, I think they've won their last six and the last, uh, two of the most recent ones I went to actually the four most recent ones, the Dolphins have won by at least four touchdowns. And it's not because it's not because or, or at least two touchdowns, excuse me. And it's not because the Dolphins were great those years either. So, uh, and actually my most recent one that I went to is when the Dolphins in 2019 upset the Colts when they were one and nine. So uh, needless to say, the Dolphins are going to beat the bears this year uh, in, in Chicago, but Paul, let's get to this game. So we could talk about the injury report. It probably would take up our entire show, but the short version is Tua is going to be out in this game. As we know, um, there were three players that did not practice all three days. And that's usually the telltale, telltale sign, usually of them not playing. We've got Tua, Seathan Carter, and also Teron Armstead. But I want to put an asterisk next to Teron Armstead where Mike McDaniel clarified that normally if a player doesn't practice three days in a row, he's not going to play in the game, but there are exceptions that can be made specifically for players like Armstead and Xavier and Howard who can basically roll out of bed and play. So I still expect Armstead to play in this contest. I expect Xavier and Howard to play, but it's definitely not a lock. Yeah. I mean, Armstead, has he actually had a real practice since the season started? I mean, it's very limited on the last day. I, I wouldn't expect him to practice on Wednesday, probably not even Thursday all year, unless he's hundred percent. The, the, funny, he. the, the funniest thing I've seen with him though, was I, I forget which beat reporter it was tweeted out that uh, Armstead is in toe maintenance protocols. I think was the, the term that was used. 
and I thought it was hilarious. You know, it, it's I expect him to play the full game. I expect X to play. I, I don't think X will see every single snap on defense in this one. But again, it, it's it's an interesting week. It's a very interesting week. I've got to say, though, with X, um, you know, last week, obviously, he gets beat by the 59-yard touchdown to T. Higgins. And then in the fourth quarter, when the Dolphins need him the most, he's not out there. And that's not a that's not a his fault or anything to do with toughness, anything like that. But the question starts to become here is how many weeks is this going to happen? I mean, because it's been happening in the last couple of weeks. And then after Howard left the lineup last week, you've got the 43-yard completion on, on Cater Kohu to Tyler Boyd. You've got the 36-yarder to Jamar Chase when um, he basically shoved Keon Crossan off him at the line of scrimmage. You know, it, so it, no Byron Jones here. That we're expecting him to be back this week. But it seems like, you know, this has gone with Byron Jones from, all right, hey, he's just getting a few things taken care of. He'll be back for training camp. No need to worry to, well, he's out all training camp. He's out all preseason. He goes on PUP. And now here we here in week five, when he's supposed to be back, that his foot is not progressing the way the team had hoped. That's not good in the middle of the season. And, and on top of that with Byron, I believe I saw this week that, he hadn't even entered the 21 day return protocol um, that they have planned for him yet. So that means he's probably out at least another three weeks here. Yeah. That remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not certainly not good news. And, and if he comes back, we don't want him coming back too early where now you've got two injured quarterback cornerbacks out there. I mean, um, the good news on that though, is, you know, Cater Kohu, Nick Needham overall have proven that that they certainly are able to take a lot of snaps. And I don't know if I could have made that case earlier in the year. I always said if something happens to X or Byron, this defensive back position is really in trouble. You know, it's it's still not where it needs to be with them out. But I, I like that the Dolphins at least have somebody to fall back on. Um, but looking at the game here, Paul. You know, before we get to the game, um, we've we're gonna bypass a lot of the Tua talk and what's going on, so we can stay focused on this game. But what I do know is that this entire thing is a complete joke when it comes to Tua. We are 13 days removed from the Dolphins Bills game, and we can't decide if this guy had a concussion or not. I mean, it's not, it's, it, uh, it's not up to us to decide. It's not up to the media to decide. It, it's you know, whatever the investigation comes out with as far as what was said, I mean, he was supposedly cleared completely. Um, and the the only weird thing for me with the, all of this is everything's about him being clear and good signs now, but he's still not the guy. So that's the interesting one for me and the fact that he's seeing outside experts now. Um, I'm, I'm curious where this goes, but there's a lot of hullabaloo in the media and twitter doctors that that's turning this into chaos that doesn't need to be uh that's right and there are two two things that i want to know and i don't need to know them today but number one did Tua have a concussion against the bills and number two did the dolphins break protocols and what really flies in the face of this is that the nfl immediately came out and changed the rules on concussions 
So, which leads me to believe that they looked at their rules and thought mm, they're not good enough, which I think is a good thing. If, if you're, if you go down and anything happened to your head and you get up and you're looking off in any way. Yeah. I know that's a little bit subjective, but I'm, I'm in favor of erring on the side of caution, but it, it seems like this is really set to appease people that were sitting at home. And in the first five seconds of Tua getting up against the bills, they already know what happened. Don't need to see anything well, else. The, the weird thing with that, as far as that goes is you're, <coughs> you're basically taking and setting up for, if it looks like somebody might've had a concussion to the people at home, we'll keep them out anyway, which sets yourself up for, you know, a guy getting cleared, getting reviewed, getting tested, going in the locker room, getting tested, finding out he didn't have a concussion, uh, coming back out and like, all right, I'm good to go. And oops, sorry. You know, you, you wobbled a little or you fell and hit your head or that hit looked bad. So you're out for today. Right. Like, and that's where, that's where it really gets borderline on that. And, uh, you know, I also have to mention too, that Joe Burrow goes on the Colin Coward show and, and says, Oh yeah. Um, I, I don't remember playing the second half of a lot of these games. Hmm. Interesting. You would think that would get evaluated and looked at immediately. No, uh, T Higgins has two concussions in a matter of weeks. No, that's not looked into further. Isaiah McKenzie goes into concussion protocol right back out there. So don't, don't, when it comes to the NFL, I don't, I don't want to hear anything about how they're just trying to do the right thing, how they're doing their due diligence. I, I don't want to hear any of that. It's all about protecting how they're perceived by the rest of the country. That's it. That's all it is. This is a, a the NFL watched a video of Ray Rice pummel his wife in an elevator and didn't know what to do. So I don't want to hear anything that the yeah. NFL is out to do, to do anything but protect themselves. Well, that's, so, that, that, that's the key there is if the NFL is making rules to, pr to protect their optics, as far as that goes, their rules are going to look grossly incompetent no matter what they do, because it's, it's going to be an overreactive rule that dials back and forth in the wrong directions on either side of things, because the next one's going to be when 20 players get taken out of games in a weekend and the fans are upset. Now it's, Ooh, we dialed it too far. And then they're going to dial it too low. And then you're going to have the concussions again. And then they're going to, Ooh, we're going to protect our players and start yanking them out of games again. And until you're actually 100% coming out and saying like, look, we, we, we don't care about the optics on this. We don't care about this. We care about the players. We, and in, in that methodology, it's protecting the optics as well and it's protecting our players careers which is protect protecting the experience for you this is what we're doing as far as concussions go and you know we're going to re-examine it every year make sure we're doing things the right way and and we'll tweak it mildly in either direction we need to but it, at the end of the day it's about player safety before player optics and we're sorry if you're going to come to a game and you may not get to see your play your favorite player in that game because we remove him for his own protection What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. 
head to hero.co to shop today. Yeah, I'm 100% for everything you just said. I, on the other hand, also look at the double standard over the last couple of weeks with Tua compared to other players and mm-hmm. why th- these other things are not being looked at more seriously. Uh, no, I've looked, never. It looked bad with Tua and it was on a national stage. Uh, that's correct. And yeah, the, I've always been, I've always swam upstream to saying that, the, no, that the, the NFL needs to soften the game a little bit or else here we're going to be sitting here in 20 or 25 years and you're not going to have enough people playing football it's going to be watered down and there may not be a sport a quality sport left for us to enjoy so i've always been in favor of that anyway we've talked more than i've wanted to already about the whole Tua situation he is out this week teddy bridgewater is in teddy two gloves baby teddy two gloves yeah and um the timing is good because the dolphins are entering a part of their schedule will listen. I know it's the NFL and every game uh, is not easy, but the dolphins should be favored in their next six games. Okay. And this is one of them. The dolphins are favored by three and a half. And this is probably one of the harder ones on their schedule because the jets are two and two. And not only is this a game here where if the dolphins win, obviously they're four and one They stay number one in the AFC, but if they lose, they're three and two, and they're third in the AFC East. And more importantly, if you're a Jets fan, obviously the Jets have a better team this year than they've had the last couple of years. If you're a Jets fan, you're three and two. You're ahead of the Dolphins in the standings. If I'm a Jets fan, I start looking at that and saying, okay, we could start seeing the light here at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, that, I mean, that's possible. It's, I do think, and, and, and I went on a game preview with one of our, our uh, collaborators from the uh, fan-sided network this week it's once you get beyond the corners and a couple of guys up front like Quinn and Williams Jonathan Franklin Myers Miami could still even with Teddy Bridgewater expose areas of this Jets defense that they haven't had to face as of yet uh, or had to pay the piper on as of yet I mean they went ahead they got beat up by the Bengals um they played the Steelers, which the Steelers are not good right now. The Browns, which whatever. And then they got whooped on by the Ravens. It, it's they have not had to cover a receiving core, even with the injuries that Miami has, like the Dolphins, as well as their linebacking core is horrible in coverage. And you've got Chase Edmonds, who is a very good receiver out of the backfield. Raheem Mostert, who has torn the Jets to shreds in the past. This is a good week to get Mike Kosicki and Durham Smythe rolling here, even though you've got Sauce Gardner and I'm totally blanking on um, DJ Reed as their other cornerback as as the other corners. And they're going to have to be on that island against two very fast, very speedy receivers. And if you move Tyreek or uh, Waddle into the slot, that could be interesting if if they don't end up on them. Um, one of them ends up matched up with one of the safeties or linebackers potentially, or you know th- that safety help isn't there over the top. It, it's there is the opportunity here for Miami to expose the holes within this Jets defense. Yeah, I think uh, in the secondary, Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. I mean, they spent a lot of resources on them. Sauce Gardner, fourth overall pick. This past year, I 
I had him as the best player in the draft. I, I thought that much of him because somebody who's 6'3", 190 pounds, uh, didn't allow a touchdown in college, and now he comes into the NFL, looks like a complete natural. That's a, yeah, I, I hate seeing a player like that go to the Jets, but I think he's going to be a great pro for a long time. And had a lot of confidence this week talking about Tyreek Hill, saying I played against Jamison Williams in college, and I have some tricks up my sleeve for how to defend that. Jamison um, Williams is not Tyreek Hill. I've, that's was going to be my next comment. Uh, I love Jamison Williams, but Tyreek Hill is a different <laughs> animal. Now, a couple of things about the Jets defense is this is not a defense that um, blitzes a lot, and it's a very heavy zone defense. So the thing is, is, is when you take a look at, at what Tyreek Hill and Wild bring to the table is the difference of what these heavy zone defenses see throughout the year is that just about every other wide receiver combo, you can, you can pull that off, but you don't have two receivers that can outrun both the cornerback and the safety on a given play. So that's and in the middle of that defense, you've got uh, at safety, you've got a, you've got a very good, uh, very good tandem there um, with, with Jordan Whitehead and I'm blanking on the other safety's name there. Um, I'm a, uh, anyway, um, yeah. the, but neither one are known for their speed. Uh, and if you can get past those cornerbacks and you're going to do that because the, these cornerbacks play, they're going to play up further. They're going to hand the court. They're going to hand the receiver off to the safety a lot, but that's where there can be some complications. If you get into a situation where Teddy bridge Bridgewater is well-protected and LaMarcus now Hill and Waddle, what's up? LaMarcus Joyner. LaMarcus Joyner, who had a great week last week. He had what two interceptions and should have had a third one uh, a veteran, former second rounder out of Florida state. Thank you for that. Um, but if you get Hill and Waddle in situations where their Bridgewater is protected well, and now they're heads up on the safety, yeah, you can go over the top frequently, which we saw last year or last week when Tyreek Hill got loose for 65 yards. Yeah, and you look at the last two games alone for the Jets, right? Um, two weeks ago, Tyler Boyd goes for 105 yards against them. T Higgins almost crossed hundred yards. So they almost had 200 yard receivers for the Bengals against them. Um, last week against the Steelers, Pat Fryermuth, I think had seven catches for 93 yards in that game. And Pickens went off, went off for, for hundred yards receiving um, against the Browns. It's, you know, um, Amari Cooper has hundred yards receiving on nine receptions. So you can beat, this team with wide receivers we should see cedric wilson back this week which should be an interesting yeah get to have out there and you know between pickens and and Fryermuth last week they had 13 receptions for almost 200 yards and yeah I, I hate to say this but even a not fully healthy jalen waddle tyreek hill mike gasicki cedric wilson and durham Smythe, i'll take over a lot of what they've faced thus far this year. Yeah, I, I'll say that. I'll also say too that in two of the in their two losses, they faced Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson, which Teddy Bridgewater is not. But no. but the other part of that too, and and look, it's easy to look back in the Bengals game and and think about the game losing interception. It's still debatable if that was Kasicki's fault or Bridgewater's fault. I, I've I've seen enough of the play to know that Bridgewater at least did not make a great decision on that. Yeah, because uh, it, it wasn't it was a hot it was supposed to be a hot route and Kasiki just didn't it, it wasn't a complete miscommunication. There had to be some feeling out and, and Bridgewater didn't do that well. Um, but 
and they also only scored nine points uh, when Bridgewater got in with five minutes left in the second quarter. But I will say this, even with nine points, the Dolphins from five minutes left in the second quarter when, when Teddy got in, they put up 282 points offense. And this was a back and forth game. This was a close game the whole time. So this wasn't a junk points type of situation. So, yeah, you've got to do better than nine points in two and a half quarters. There's no doubt about that. But I this wasn't the same situation as when Jacoby Brissett was there uh, last year for the Dolphins, where it's three and out, three and out, punt, turnover, and then late in the game, you know, he gets they, they score two touchdowns and the stat sheet looks good. They moved the ball last week still. So there's some comfort in that. No, they did. And this isn't Jacoby Brissett uh, coming into a ridiculously stupid and dull vanilla offense uh, where Jacoby's diving up the middle uh, for no reason on some plays. And so no, I really I really do like Miami's chances on offense, especially given the protection we've seen from this offensive line the past three weeks or four weeks. It's the offensive line has really dialed it in here as, as the season's moved along despite having Austin Jackson out at right tackle, despite the fact that Teron Armstead only plays on the weekends. Um, and really, I just, they need the offensive line to handle Quinn and Williams and Jonathan Franklin Myers, who always plays up against the Dolphins. Yeah, and it's a little different this year with the Jets because really over the last two or three years, and you know the Dolphins have won their last four against the Jets and eight of their last nine. The Jets have never had pass rushers that could do anything against the Dolphins. And this year, it's not great, but they they do get uh, Carl Lawson back, who has been on the field, who's created some pressure. You know, he was their big ticket free agent last year, but got hurt on the first day of training camp. They also drafted Jermaine Johnson in the first round. He had a sack last week. Yeah, I mean, Greg Little's got to play way better than he played last week. I mean, there were he it was like I said, very Austin Jackson-y last week when it came to Greg Little. There were three or four just embarrassing snaps. But overall, for the season, I'm encouraged with what I see with Little um, projecting to the future. Brandon Shell is on the practice squad. I expect him to be promoted to the active roster for this game here today. Our, I expect him to be promoted today for the active roster tomorrow. That's just a guess. Um, because my understanding is Larnell Coleman has already been activated three times. So they're going to have to have an eighth offensive lineman there. Yep. Um, and sh- I, I think shell might get on the field sooner rather than later. If, if Greg little doesn't pick it up in this game, I don't hate it. Shell's been a, a solid offensive lineman throughout his career, even if not spectacular. And, you know, I know he's a guy that when, when God, I forget which year it was, he was drafted. We both talked about extensively leading up to the draft that year as somebody that could be a potential target and, um really I, I i don't hate the idea i think he could come in and, and do a serviceable job on this offensive line and the offensive line for the most part despite the concussion issue that we already talked about at the quarterback position has done a very good job uh, as we alluded to last week that that sack on tua that took him out of the game was really i think i counted seven you counted five and a half but Regardless, that's too many damn seconds to expect the offensive line to keep them clean. And, uh-huh. <clears throat> you know, that, that's one thing where I do think Miami can do well in this game because at the end of the day, like you said, they're not a defense that blitzes a lot. And 
there's only two or three guys up front that are worth a worry here. So they should be able to protect to it or protect Teddy at this game. Now that said, yeah. uh, one of the things that's coming up in chat a lot, I, I know we should probably discuss is Teddy will not be the only active quarterback tomorrow. Skylar Thompson will be on the active roster. What do you, what does it take for you cat to say, you know what, let's see what the kid has in this game. Yeah. I'd say there's 0% chance he gets in the game. It, it would be, it would have to have an injury. And, and I'm not saying that Skyler wouldn't be able to surprise people or handle it. And I'm not saying that, Hey, if, if two is out for the next few games that we won't see him at some point, um, you pay Teddy Bridgewater six and a half million dollars to be your backup quarterback. I don't see a, a scenario where they, after a few quarters of football, say, no, we made a mistake. It's not going to happen. That's just my guess. Now, there's, there's two scenarios for me where I would consider it if I'm Mike McDaniel. Scenario one is Teddy comes out. Well, obviously, the injury scenario is, is one as well. But scenario one is Teddy comes out, dinks and dunks the ball over the field, and turns the ball over a handful of times. And Miami starts. It, Miami ends up down early um, by a decent amount, and it looks like there's no hope. Or Teddy comes out and just can't seem to lead the offense. Doesn't seem to be on the same page. We see more plays like the one to Gasicki that resulted in an inter- in, in an interception, and just doesn't look the part and looks terrible even if he's not turning the ball over even if Miami's not down big if if he's struggling to move the ball with this offense but it looks like everybody else is on track I I would consider it no matter how much money we're paying him for the one year because at the end of the day I he's not here next year and if he's not getting it done that's the point where maybe you go you know what let's see what the kid has yeah and, and that's why i think over the next few weeks if this becomes a problem if dolphins lose this game they're they're losing against the vikings and it's like okay something's not working here that's when i think it might happen um but i i mean it would have to be something where we're, we're at the end of the third quarter the dolphins are down 13 nothing and teddy has three interceptions it would have to be something that egregious for that to happen so well i mean if, if we get to the end of the first half and miami's only got like 47 passing yards I severely consider it. Yeah, I, I don't expect that to happen, but he, yeah, I don't either. But you know, it, it's. I'm glad Sky. I'm glad Skyler's on the roster. I, you know, everyone, everyone. After that, I'd say pump your brakes. Um, as far as expectations are concerned, you're talking about, you know, a nine-year NFL veteran who's who's being paid six and a half million against a seventh-round rookie who has been impressive. Don't get me wrong, but. You know, this is also, too, like I said, a, a, a team that, you know, you, they, they draft Eric Ezekama in the fourth round, and uh, he's the star of training camp in preseason, but you get to game day, he's a, he's a healthy scratch so that River Craycraft and Trent Sherfield can get out there. This is a team and an offense that values veterans a lot more. So it, it's it, going to be a long leash for Bridgewater. It, it, it does value veterans a bit more, but let's, let's face it. I mean, the big thing that's logjamming Eric Ezekama isn't Craycraft and Sherfield. It's the three ahead of them, or the four, you know, where, with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Cedric Wilson, et cetera. Um, as far as that goes, it's the log jam ahead of Skyler right now 
is Teddy Bridgewater and, and the six and a half million at quarterback. Well, six and a half million is, is a decent chunk of money, but it's also about 20 to 25 million below decent starter quarterback average as far as that goes. So we're, we're, we're talking about low tier offensive lineman money or mid tier offensive lineman money for the quarterback position right now. So I can stomach if the situation dictates it, the potential for Skylar Thompson to enter the game. And I will say, I think you'll hear that MetLife takeover crew go bananas for Skylar Thompson if he gets in this game. Yeah, and Hammer and Chad said, uh, you know, talking about when we'll see Skylar Thompson, said 40 to nothing in the fourth quarter, uh, then we'll see him. And I'm not sure if he's talking about if the Dolphins are winning or the Jets are winning, but I think either situation. Think either yeah. scenario. Yeah, yeah, may, maybe that. But um, yeah, it, yeah um, it, finally on offense here and um, – you know, as just going back to what I said, the Jets don't blitz very often. Uh, so far this year, they blitz, they bring an extra uh, defender on the blitz 17.1% of the time, which is 29th in the league. So they, they pride themselves on, or they, they're trying to get to the quarterback with their front four. Now, they, anybody that goes up against Armstead, whether he's dinged up or not, is going to have a tough time. The main matchup is on that right side with Greg Little going up against uh, Carl Lawson and or Jermaine Johnson throughout the game. If Greg Little can do his job at that right tackle spot, I feel really good about Teddy having a clean pocket and being able to find those receivers downfield. That's the one matchup there offensively. Um, also, the running game, which obviously has not been great this year, but last week the Dolphins are in a close game, actually able to try to establish the ground game. Raheem Mostert, 4.6 yards of carry on the ground. Very encouraging. They can't be one-dimensional throughout the game either. Paul, anything else uh, offensively before we move on to the defense? Not fully, no. Gotcha. So defensively, plain and simple, if the Dolphins create pressure and Zach Wilson does not have all day to throw, the Dolphins are going to win this game. And I know you can say that pretty much across the board in every game where, hey, if, if your defensive line destroys the other offensive line, you create turnovers, you're probably going to win the game. But it's really important in this game. I mean, just some simple data from this. Um, according to PFF here last week, uh, Zach Wilson dropped back 37 times. In 13 of those dropbacks, he was either sacked or pressured. His stats on those 13 dropbacks, drop two for 12, 37 yards, two interceptions, um, a sack, and another one that should have been intercepted. So I look at Zach Wilson and say, look, I, I certainly see the arm talent. I didn't quite understand why he went second overall, but yeah, he's got an arm. There's, there's no doubt about that. And when he gets time to throw, it can look really pretty. And he's got three receivers in Corey Davis, um, Garrett Wilson, and Elijah Moore, who against these Dolphins defensive backs, especially if Howard is, is hobbled, have an advantage. But um, I still go back to Zach Wilson, in my opinion, being unplayable when he is under pressure. Yeah, and he, he should be under pressure in this game. I mean, Dwayne Brown may be activated this afternoon from uh, um, injury, and if so, he may be reinserted in the lineup. But Makai Becton, IR. George Fant, out hurt. Um, Max, Mitchell. Max Mitchell, out hurt. And what was looking to be a very good offensive line is now piecemealing all over the place. I like Elijah Vera Tucker right now is playing, finished the game last week at left tackle may end up playing right tackle. Um, 
McGovern is is one of the worst protecting centers in the league. So, you know, the, the lucky thing for the Jets in that case is Raekwon Davis is known for a lot of very good things, but not one of them is, is involves rushing the passer. Um, but scenarios where we see Zach Sealer end up coming in and going up against him could be interesting or going up against uh, oh, what's his face that's playing right guard right now. I mean, like they, uh, Herbig is, is right now. And, and yeah. to piggyback on what you're saying there, Paul, yeah, Dwayne Brown said he's going to play, and that would be a huge return for him. Now, you might say, okay, he hasn't played all year, but this is a – he was drafted in 2009. This is a guy that's seen everything, and if he's healthy enough to play, he's got the physical skill set to do what Teron Armstead does, roll out of bed and play left tackle at a high level. And if he does that, Elijah Vera Tucker, who did well last week playing left tackle for the Jets – he moves either to right tackle or back to right guard, probably to right guard. So the, the line that we should see for the Jets is, is Dwayne Brown at left tackle, Lakin Tomlinson at left guard, who has not been good this year. Connor McGovern at center, who has not been good. Um, Vera Tucker at right guard and Connor McDermott at right tackle. Connor McDermott is somebody that, you know, I'm really looking for Emmanuel Agba to have a big game. He's the one on the, on the defensive line so far. That's really disappointed me so far. Hasn't been terrible. Hasn't been all bad, but not a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And so you've got to, he's, he's certainly got a, got a rush there from, from Zach Allen's strong side, Zach, <laughs> Zach Allen, Zach Wilson, excuse me. He, he's also got drawn a few holding penalties that didn't count as a, as a pressure or, what have you, where he had his man cleanly beat and, and was hooked around the neck. And that's several times already this year. So it's, I, I, I'm not upset with Ogba right now. And the interesting thing as well is going to be, if there's anybody that knows Lake and Tomlinson inside and out, it's Mike McDaniel. So you can't tell me he hasn't sat down with Christian Wilkins already this week and said, here you go, Christian, this is how you beat him. And this is what you can't let him do. And so that could be a very interesting matchup to watch along that defensive line, as well as if they continue experimenting with putting Jalen Phillips a little bit more on the interior here. They may end up planting him right in that gap between Connor McGovern and Lake and Tomlinson on third and forever here and dialing up the pressure up the middle while coming off the edge with, uh, you know, uh, Agba. And, and others it's there's a lot of different interesting looks that Miami can throw out on defense to manufacture pressure and put Zach Wilson into a horrible situation where he does have a tendency to throw picks now one thing that has been lacking for Miami thus far this season is the interception we've got one yeah. interception right now from week one by Javon Holland on a deflected pass on the first drive of the game Right. Uh, first yeah. drive of the season. And, and yeah, that, well, that no. is a, yeah, they, they're, yeah, they, they need more turnovers. No doubt about that. Um, and, and I, I'll also say too, that I tie that to, I mean, it's never good when you go what 11 quarters without, without an interception. I will say that I, I think that's more reflective of playing Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. Well, no, the, the point, the point I was getting to there though, Kat is we've gotten our hands on a lot of balls and dropped them this season, so far this this season um against josh allen we had i think four balls on one of their last drives right in the defensive players hands and and, and 
regardless of, of who they are, we can't continue to drop those interceptions and continue to expect to drive forward the way we have been. It, it's Miami needs to start pulling a few of those in on interceptable passes. They're, they're getting in position for the interception. They're getting their hands on the ball and they're not bringing the ball in. And that's something that we need to see change. And it needs to start this week with, with Zach Wilson, because if we're going to force him into those bad throws, we need to capitalize. Yeah, you're, you're right on that. And yeah, against the bills, there were at least four that were dropped or very easily could have been intercepted Uh, against the Ravens. Xavier Howard almost had that pick six. That certainly should have been against the Patriots. Yeah, you're, you're right. There've been, there have been six or seven in the last 11 quarters, and yeah. that does certainly need to change here, especially when you go up against these quarterbacks who are not Joe Burrow, and not Lamar Jackson, not Josh Allen. I mean, these this slate of quarterbacks the Dolphins have coming up are quarterbacks they have typically bullied over the last couple of years, and that certainly needs to continue whether or not the cornerbacks are healthy or not. So um, as far as – the D, the Dolphins defense and their defensive line. I think a big misconception is that they're not pressuring the quarterback this year. I don't think that's accurate at all. Uh, in the first six or seven quarters of the season, the, the Patriots game, they didn't get a lot of pressure. Obviously, in the first three quarters of the game against the Ravens, when they were getting just torn up by Lamar Jackson, who was on his revenge tour, that didn't happen either. But since the fourth quarter of the Ravens game, I feel the Dolphins have really gotten pressure on the quarterback they just haven't had a lot of sacks and i've got a little data with that too i mean um next gen stats evaluates one-on-one win rates for their defensive linemen um the dolphins are second in the nfl but only have seven sacks which is one of the worst in the league and to me there's a very clear explanation of why that's true is because you faced three quarterbacks who are absolutely skilled at navigating the, the pocket and avoid being taken down these next quarterbacks you're facing, Zach Wilson, Kirk Cousins, uh, Kenny Pickett, Davis Mills, Jacoby Brissett, these are not the same quarterbacks who are skilled at that. So I expect that sack number, if they play at the same level on the defensive line, for that to go up a lot. Yeah, it's, it's going to go up and go up in a hurry at some point in time because they're going to start finding pay dirt here. And, yeah, I, I, the Dolphins' defensive line is – a really, you and I both know we, we can't call it the defensive line. It's the front seven is very good at getting to the quarterback. One thing that I do want to see a little bit more here is I haven't seen a lot of Jerome Baker through the A gap. And I know you can't do it all the time because of the predictability factor if you do it too often. But I don't think there's a better linebacker in the NFL at shooting the A gap on, on an obvious passing down and just terrorizing the quarterback into potentially a 10 plus yard loss that then Jerome Baker it looks like he's fired out of a cannon when he does it. And then I can't recall seeing that this year. Um, and I think that's something that Miami needs to add back to their arsenal because it was so effective the way that he does it with his speed. And I think it's one of the things that made him the defensive player of the month back in December of last season, last season. So I'd like to see that a little bit more here. So in, in this game defensively, it- I think it'd be easy to look at Zach Wilson being a young quarterback and saying, okay, let's just send the house. Let's go cover zero and force him to win over the top. I don't think that that'd be the right way to approach this game because Zach Wilson does have a pretty deep ball and they do have guys that can get over the top, especially Elijah Moore. 
So, and you also have Zach Wilson who, yeah, if he, if you send the house and he shakes loose, he can make some big plays. So I think what's important in this game is to continue to change the picture on defense that Zach Wilson is looking at. Um, yeah. Cover zero. Are you going to use it sometimes? Absolutely. And you should, you should also come with four. Sometimes you should also uh, be sending one and really disguising where that's coming from. I expect Andrew Van Ginkle to come back and have a big game. He hasn't played a lot defensively coming back um, from his, um, from his surgery, but yeah, I, to me, that's you've got to keep things unpredictable. Um, here in the chat, uh, what welcome here, Cap for Life, as well as a color commentary. So it's color, not Jay Cutler. So uh, <laughs> which is <laughs> said in chat, but and Grandizer, you're killing it in chat. Thanks again uh, for for keeping things uh, straight here. Um, yeah, it's supposed to be about 60 degrees, 11 miles per hour winds, uh, according to Grandizer. He probably knows a little bit more about that than I do at this time. But yeah, some winds decent temperatures and nothing that really affects things one way or another. So cat back, back to the topic you were talking about before, as far as the cover zero goes, it's Miami can't go as full blown on the cover zero right now with Xavier Howard nursing an injury. And, you know, with a, an undrafted rookie who I love in cater Kohu on the other side, but the other factor as well is one of the things that that can hurt the cover zero is something that the jets did show last season which was if you can do an effective job of running rub routes or, or let's face it, pick plays um, with your offense and they're not getting the calls that day, that does have a tendency to just destroy cover zero. If they're, if they're allowing for pick plays, et cetera, because you're letting them run free without the help over the top. And mm -hmm. Once that happens, Miami ha has to do like they did last year and get out of the cover zero. It, it's I think we saw probably five or six pick plays in the first half at the very least that that sprung somebody free last year against the Jets up at MetLife that weren't called. And when that happens, you have to get away from the cover zero. And there are other ways to creatively mix the blitz in and, and create pressure without always going with the cover zero look to do so. Like you said, if you change change the optics. Um, you're going to give Zach Wilson some hesitation. You've got a piecemeal offensive line you're going up against, which can also, it, changing the optics can also screw them up as well and give you more opportunities to find pay dirt. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities here to mix up the Jets offense without just saying, ooh, cover zero, uh, which by the way, I'm, I'm going to die on this hill. Um, no matter what the commentators say during the game, cover zero doesn't mean sending the house. It just looks like it and you don't know who's coming and who's going. Right. And that's where they need to get creative. It, it doesn't mean they're coming with everybody on every play. They did that one week against the Ravens last week because it or last year because it was working. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, that's that's even, the unpredictable. Even then they weren't sending everyone every play. It was you just didn't know who was coming. Uh, I think they were sending everyone every play, but that's that's a different that was a different game. You're talking about what 17 blitzes from Holland and 21 from Brandon Jones. They were, they were sending everybody, but that's a, that's not how it usually goes. Um, also defensively here too. I want to point out that, you know, it does, it hasn't gotten a lot of attention this year because of how Lamar Jackson went off against the dolphins defense on the ground, nine carries for 119 yards, but against just running backs this year, the dolphins defense on their run defense averaging 3.04 yards a carry 
77 carries for 220 something yards, 3.04 yards a carry. We haven't seen that over the last few years from the Dolphins run defense and um, against starting running backs. Damian Harris, Devin Singletary, Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake, they're averaging 2.71 yards a carry on the ground. So they've been very effective there, really largely with their with their defensive tackles. Raquan Davis, Zach Sealer, Christian Wilkins of stifling the run. That needs to continue in this game because they've got a good one-two combo too of Brees Hall and Michael Carter. Carter didn't have a great game last week, eight carries for 15 yards, but on the season – uh, a little bit over that four yards of carry mark. And if they can get grow, going on the ground early in downs, get those chunk plays, six, seven yards on first down, it's going to open things up for Zach Wilson. So it's important they put this Jets offense and Zach Wilson in those second and 11, second and nine, second and 10 types of situations. No, 100%. It's, it's Miami's run defense against running backs has been tremendous this year. Um, and really – it's they should be able to stop the Jets. I don't think Brees Hall has really started firing on all cylinders like folks expected it to him to right out of the gate, which was an unfair expectation. Even though he's been he's been good so far, I think he had just under four yards of carry last week, which isn't horrible, but it's it's not anything that you're like, ooh, Pro Bowl nods are coming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Paul, your prediction. I think Miami takes this one with their home game up north at the MetLife takeover. Uh, I don't think they score as many as they could, but I do think they find the chinks in the the armor for uh, the uh, Jets' defense here. And I think Miami pulls it out 27 to 13, including a defensive score. For me, the team that gets to 20 points is going to end up winning the game, and I think that team will be the Dolphins here. This defense, even with the injuries in the secondary, have been battle tested. They've had to prepare for really quality quarterbacks over the last three weeks. And, you know, last week against the Bengals, yeah, the first drive was so easy for the Bengals. And then after that, aside from the uh, Xavier Howard uh, touchdown allowed, I really felt there were there were there was a time frame between that first drive and the end of the game in the fourth quarter where they had Joe Burrow figured out. And I, you know, you look the week before Josh Allen scores 19 points with the bills offense. It hasn't been all great with the dolphins defense. They've they're allowing a quarterback rating of 106.6. They've dropped interceptions. A lot, a, a lot hasn't gone right, but <clears throat> I think they're ready to feast at this point of the year um, on these quarterbacks. I see the dolphins taking this one down 21 to 10 and uh, I'm going to go with with two interceptions here on defense. So anything else jump out from chat? Anything else on your mind before we call it a day? No, that's uh, yeah. Good luck to all the folks at the MetLife Takeover tomorrow. Hopefully the Dolphins pull down that win. Uh, I won't be watching live. I'll have to watch it recorded after the fact. But yeah, no, it's it's I'm excited here for this one. I think this is a chance for Miami to get back on track after last week and get back to their winning ways that we're expecting from them this year. And like I said, good luck and stay healthy. And uh, if you're going to be at the game or you're in New York tonight, they're going to have a uh, pre-party tonight at Slattery's Midtown Pub in New York City. And then they're going to have a huge tailgate out in the bus lot tomorrow. Um, I can't wait to hear those Let's Go Dolphins chants over uh, 
the the TV and listen to the announcers be surprised like they are every year. And that's going to do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins-Jets matchup here. We'll be sure to join you on Sunday night as usual with grades and uh, evaluation of everything that happened. Be sure to join us on Facebook, Twitter, the fan-sided network, finfanatic.com, and all of our different social media outlets, as well as iTunes. Um, you, you can check us after the show if you can't join live. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fit side. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.